you ever feel like you're all alone? Have you ever wondered if you're the only person going through heartache, or divorce, separation, abuse, disappointment, depression, etc.? The biggest lie of the enemy to our hearts and minds is the lie that we are alone. The lie that no one understands you or cares about you. The lie that whatever you're walking through is unique to you. This is the lie that the enemy often tries to use with me. He will insult me and try to convince me that I am alone in my pain, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my ministry. And I've learned over the course of my four decades on this planet and four decades and some change that this is simply not true. God is always with us and he places people all around us that love us and that oftentimes have experienced the same thing we have. We really are more similar than we are different. When God began this work of creation and developed humans, He did it for the purpose of having a relationship with us. We are never alone because God simply will not allow it. You are listening to Focused Faith Podcast, and this is Carrie Powers. The sole reason that we were created was for fellowship. Fellowship with each other, and most importantly, fellowship with God. God went to great lengths in order to fellowship with us. He wanted a relationship with His created beings. He wanted an intimate, loving relationship with us. Genesis 3.8 states, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Genesis 3.8 gives us something very important that I think we often miss, especially if we happen to be in Genesis 3. Most of the time when we spend any time in Genesis 3, the main focus is what happened in the verses previous to this one, which is the fall, which is the great break in the intimacy when the enemy deceives both Eve and Adam, and it breaks this perfect intimate relationship that they had with God. But Genesis 3.8 is just so incredibly important. Because the Lord God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And why was he walking in the garden? God was walking in the garden because he was looking for Eve and Adam. He was looking for them in order to continue to have this great intimate relationship. That's the kind of relationship they had with God, is he walked in the garden with them. We were created to have direct access to the Lord. We were created to walk beside Him in the garden and enjoy this kind of intimate relationship. You see, this was the original plan. However, the entrance of sin destroyed our perfect fellowship. This could have been the end of the story. The Lord could have changed the plan altogether. Adam and Eve broke the one rule that was given to them. God could have decided to end it right there, but he didn't. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. 
He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. Isaiah 45, 18. So instead of allowing this break in relationship, God opened another avenue for fellowship between a sinful people and a perfect, holy God. Our Father has gone to incredible lengths to open the door of communication between Himself and His kids. Exodus 25.8 states, Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. So in order for God to continue to have a relationship with people, there needed to be a way for this to continue to happen. Of course, Exodus records the great exodus of God's people when they were in slavery to Egypt for 400 years, and God called Moses to lead his people out and ultimately into the promised land. Of course, they spent 40 years wandering in a circle, couldn't get it together. But God decided during this time that they needed a sanctuary to be built, that the sanctuary would be the way that God would dwell and commune with his people. So this sanctuary really tells us that the Lord longs for fellowship with us, right? And that's why he had the Israelites build a sanctuary, so he could dwell among them. So how does a holy God dwell among unholy people? There needed to be separation and reverence so that the Israelites would understand the holiness of God. God gave Moses very strict guidelines for the tabernacle. The tabernacle would be this sanctuary that they would uh, carry around with them while they moved around the wilderness. And it needed to meet exact regulations, because it was a copy of the tabernacle in heaven. Hebrews 8.5 tells us that. So the Lord gave them regulations to follow about how they offered sacrifices and how they approached Him. When the Lord calls us to perform a service for Him, He equips us with the power and anointing to accomplish the job. So God placed His Holy Spirit on His servant, Bezalel, or something like that. I don't know how you pronounce his name. And But he filled him with skill, ability, and knowledge to complete the construction of the tabernacle. This is found in Exodus 31, if you want to go there and take a look. So Aaron and his sons were chosen to serve as priests, and they had very strict guidelines to follow. Very strict, down to exactly what their underwear was going to look like. And this is found in Exodus 28. The Lord said they must follow all procedures before they enter the tent of meeting and approach the altar, or they would die. And all of this was done as an example of man's inability to please God. See, we in our sinful flesh cannot dwell among a holy God. Yet the Lord wanted to dwell among his people. The tabernacle served as the place of fellowship. The Lord's presence was a pillar of cloud, which rested on the tabernacle. And they could see this cloud during the day. 
and at night, then it was a pillar of fire. So his presence was constantly with them, and they could continually see evidence of that. They could see it with their eyes, which is pretty cool. Now, I'm going to read to you from Exodus 33, 7 through 11. Now Moses used to have a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Verse 12 and 13 states, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The text here that I just read states that Moses spoke face to face with God. However, in verses 18 through 23 of this same chapter, Moses asks the Lord to see his face, and God hides him in the cleft of the rock and allows him to see his back because he couldn't see his face because he would die. So the significance of the encounter that we just read here between Moses and the Lord, the point is, is they were intimate with each other. They would speak, they would meet as friends. That's the point of this whole interchange that would happen between Moses and the Lord. And the people would recognize the significance as well as they came out of their tents and they would worship the whole time that Moses was meeting with God and they could see the cloud. So it was, it was very evident of what was transpiring between God and Moses. I also love in verse 11, where we see that this young Joshua you know, young Joshua here would would not um, would not leave the tent. You know, he would stay there. He knew that Moses was this is where Moses would meet with God, and he wasn't going to leave. You know, he was going to stay exactly as close as he possibly could, even if it was just outside the tent, which is as close as he was allowed to go. This young Joshua that we see here will be the Joshua that will continue to lead the people after Moses' death. So God's raising up Joshua as well and creating this intimate relationship, um, extending it to Joshua. So it's just really great to to really see this incredible intimacy. This has always been God's plan and His plan for all of us. 
And it doesn't just extend to Moses or Joshua. Uh, now, because we all house the Holy Spirit within us, he dwells with us in the same way that he dwelled with the Israelites. No, we can't see the cloud or the fire, but he's just as intimately involved with us. We house him now with us. We don't need a sanctuary because he resides within us. I also love here in this text that I just read that God says in verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That residing in the presence of the Lord brings us rest, which we also very desperately need, especially in this day and age that we live in where we're constantly bombarded on every side with every kind of stress. Where We don't sleep enough. We don't find ourselves in position. I mean, we talk about self-care all the time, right? Self-care being so incredibly important. And really the greatest self-care we could possibly do is learn how to practice the presence of the Lord. So residing in his presence brings us rest. And, you know, last podcast, we'd really talked about why we should pray, which this is really an extension of that, that in order to have this kind of relationship with God, and in order to have a relationship, a fellowship, an intimacy with him, prayer is the means at which we do this. It's just communication. If you want to have a relationship with anybody, you have to communicate with that person. And that's all prayer is. It's necessary in order to have a relationship with God. And that's what this whole concept of understanding this intimacy and the reason we were created and why God devised this plan with the sanctuary and the tabernacle and then ultimately the temple and this way of which the Israelites communicated with God. It was this whole point of extending a relationship and ultimately the foreshadowing of Jesus who would come be the final sacrifice so that we would then continue to have perfect fellowship once, once again. Because again, that was the whole point. I want to read a quote to you, and this is taken from the book Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Sabala. Quote, after Moses came down from Mount Sinai, Calling on God became an earmark of his people's successes. The patriarch spotlighted this most dramatically in his farewell address. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? Deuteronomy 4.7 The other nations may have had better chariots, better weaponry, but that wouldn't matter in the end. They didn't have what Israel had a God who would respond when they called upon him. And note that there was no promised help from God if Israel ceased calling out to him. Only defeat and humiliation would follow, end quote. I want to read to you Exodus 34, verses 29 through 35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and Aaron, excuse me, when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. 
But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Moses spent so much time with the Lord that his face glowed from being in God's presence. I mean, he began to physically take on a radiant glow from being that close to God, from fellowshipping that closely with God. Isn't that incredible? I want to glow. Like, I want to have like a face that radiates, you know, this incredible relationship that I have with God. I don't, I mean, I feel like I'm not. I'm not young anymore, you know? And so I feel like I'm continually fighting this battle of like my, my, the skin on my face, like falling off of my face. Like, I I don't know what happens, um, but it's, it's really, it's not great. It's not great. This whole getting older thing that happens to your body and, and to your face. I feel like when I smile, um, like my eyes disappear now and stuff, it's just, it's not good. It's not great. So I want to radiate, you know, like I, I want my face to glow too. So that's maybe the best skincare routine that I could possibly do. I think we should try it. Definitely. And it's free. So that's even better. But the Lord went to incredible lengths to reside and dwell with his people. He longed to be in fellowship with this group of stiff-necked people who continually disobeyed and grumbled against him. Why? Well, because he loves us. That's why. And what does residing in the presence of the Lord bring? It brings us rest. And what happens to those who reside in the presence of the Lord? Well, they glow. You can see it on them. There's evidence of it. There's evidence, or there should be evidence. You shouldn't look like everybody else. You know, you shouldn't look like this world if you're continually practicing being in his presence. I want to read to you Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 8 through 15. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. 
All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So what we see here in Acts with Stephen, who was the first martyr, the first one to lose his life for his faith in Jesus, we see that he also had this glow about him the same way that Moses did. And if you were to continue to read in Acts, um, at the end of chapter 7, you would see that Stephen was stoned for his faith. So residing in the presence of the Lord brings strength, rest, and courage. You know, we again, we live in a time that is constantly assaulting us, really, from every angle of stress and worry. There's all the turmoil that's happening in the world that we live in, just a constant state of unrest. And the only way to really keep your, your mind right, your soul right, to keep yourself from being sucked into all of the negativity that's happening and continually barraging us through the news and the media and social media and every other avenue is we have to be balancing this, you know, this, this daily assault. We have to be balancing this with residing in the presence of the Lord. And that that really is what God desires from all of us, that we're not alone, that we're not alone, that we don't walk this journey alone, that he puts people around us to come up beside us and to really begin to practice a life of prayer and a life of practicing the presence of God. And that can be just as simple as spending a few quiet moments, open up your Bible, you know, listen to this podcast, listen to listen. There's so many other great podcasts to listen to, but find something that ministers to your soul and your spirit that speaks his life back into you. Let's see if maybe through this uh, 2021 that we can begin to practice prayer and his presence so that maybe we begin to glow, you know, like Moses and Stephen. And maybe I won't have to spend a bunch of money on skincare products. Here's hoping, right? Here's praying for that. Thanks so much for listening. And again, please follow on uh, Focused Faith Facebook, uh, like the podcast, leave a review. That would be fantastic. Thanks so much for listening and God bless.